Well, today we're going to study one of the most exciting stories in the book of Acts. Would you please turn your Bible, your device to Acts chapter 8, beginning at verse 26. Uh, This account involves a man named Philip who was one of the first followers of Jesus, who saw Jesus suffer on the cross, rise from the grave, and ascend into heaven, and uh, received personally from Jesus the call that goes out to all his followers, which is to go and tell people about him. Uh, The other person in this story is uh, called the Ethiopian eunuch. And in this context, eunuch is a title referring to a government official. It's a person in an official role in the government of the nation of Ethiopia. Uh, And God loved this government officer. God had a plan to reach out to this one person. And God's plan involved putting Philip in the right place at the right time. And we read the exciting details here in Acts chapter 8, beginning at verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord appeared to Philip and said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? He gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. I love this story. God loves people so much that he will, even for just one person, go to elaborate lengths to plan, to orchestrate, to get one of his people in the right place at the right time to reach out to the one that God has on his heart. And in this case, the one on God's heart is a government official who is far from his home in Ethiopia, and God does a miracle to reach him. And notice what the miracle is. The the miracle is not that God spoke to Philip. The miracle is not the disappearing trick at the end of the baptism. The miracle is that God orchestrated the events in Philip's life so that Philip was in the right place at just the right time to be part of God's plan to reach out to one person, one person on God's heart. And God wants to work this same 
right place, right time miracle in your life and in mine. And God performs this miracle in my life when I live like Philip Philip lived. So how did Philip live? Philip lived a lifestyle that included the three habits of those who become part of God's plan to reach others. These three habits can be summarized in three words. Express, expect, and extend. The first habit of those who experience the miracle of being in the right place in the right time to be in God's plan is summarized in the word express. Uh, When I was a uh, pastor in training in uh, seminary, I had a professor uh, who really threw a curveball at our class. He gave me and my classmates a strange assignment uh, where he told us to go off campus and uh, find two people who were strangers to us, we'd never met before, and ask if we could explain what it means to have a personal relationship with God uh, through faith in Jesus and explain this to that person one-on-one. He thought it was a good idea that we would leave the seminary campus, which was 200 people who already understood uh, the gospel message and had applied it to their lives and actually, you know, get out beyond the campus to the surrounding community, which was about 2 million people, uh, many of whom didn't understand it was possible to have a day-to-day relationship with God through Jesus. And the professor thought it'd be a great idea for us to go and tell them about Jesus. And of course, we agreed because we are spiritual giants and because our grade depended on it. So I... uh, I went to this shopping mall on the north shore of Boston, and this shopping mall was like, you know, the shopping malls around here. It had a lot of these, like, park benches uh, that were positioned uh, back-to-back uh, like that. And uh, here's how it went. I uh, got there, and my assignment was to uh, tell somebody about Jesus. Uh, sounds easy, right? Not quite so easy. So... I saw this older gentleman sitting on one of these park benches, and I said, uh, here's how the thought process went. I said, now there's a guy who seems like he's desperate for God. There's a guy who he is wanting somebody to tell him about Jesus. And I got a little closer, and I said, there's a guy who is probably interested in Jesus. And I got a little closer, and I said, there's a guy who might be willing to hear about Jesus. Got a little closer, said, nope, not him, and uh, kept going. And it just went on like this over and over and over again. And I just, I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't just, you know, walk up to somebody cold turkey and get into this kind of very personal conversation that's, you know, that's not exactly out shopping mall conversation. And I was just so frustrated, and I sat down on one of these benches with another bench uh, behind me, and uh, I just said, God, I, I can't do this. I can't just cold turkey walk up to somebody and talk to them about Jesus, but I want to. God, I, I want to share about your love and, and what it means in my life and what it, what it means to anyone who really accepts what you've done for them on the cross. And, and as I was saying, I, I said, God... I want to do it, but you're going to have to give me an opportunity because I just can't do this cold turkey stuff. And as I was saying that, uh, I heard two women 
coming up behind me. And uh, one woman said to the other woman as they sat down, well, I don't know what to think about Jesus. <laughs> and I heard it clear as a bell. And I said, I'm getting an A in this class. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. But I said, God, that's my opportunity. And so I turned around and I said, you won't believe this, but I'm here to talk about Jesus. And I introduced myself and met them as Janice and Ann. And uh, Janice really was not all that impressed. But uh, Ann, she was astounded. She was astounded that all she had to do was mention Jesus and he had one of his representatives right there to talk, a special agent right there to kind of talk about it. And, uh, and so I had a chance to, uh, to tell her about what it means to have, you know, a personal, to personally apply what Jesus did on the cross for her and, uh, uh, and how that's different than just believing the historical facts. And, uh, and then I got to the, the end and I, I said, you know, really there's nothing magical about, you know, talking to God in a, in a prayer. Uh, but, you know, this is where most people find that they receive God's forgiveness and it can start a whole new relationship with God. You ready to do that? And again, Janice was not interested, but Anne said, yeah, I'm ready. So right there, we prayed. And I really do believe that something happened in that prayer, in that moment, and it changed her whole relationship with God. And it was thrilling. It was thrilling for me. It was thrilling for Anne. And I think Jesus got a kick out of it too. Because, you know, I really think that Jesus just goes into a big grin when he's able to respond to the simple expression from one of his kids saying, I'm ready. Use me. Just give me an opportunity and I'll tell somebody about you. So I learned a few things that day in the mall and uh, I've never forgotten them and I'd like to share them with you. The first thing is I, I learned that God has one plan. God has one plan for reaching lost people and that one plan is to use formerly lost people like me, like you. God has one plan. Just like the Ethiopian, you know, uh, he wasn't going to follow Jesus unless he came in contact with Philip. And in some mysterious way, Anne wasn't going to follow Jesus unless she met me. And so God has one plan, one plan for reaching lost people. And that's by using formerly lost people like me, like you, and putting us in the right place at the right time. The second thing I learned is that uh, being in the right place at the right time uh, has as a connection to expressing something to God. Uh, I learned that for unknown or known reasons, God waits for me to ask to be a part of his plan. God waits for me to express my availability uh, and my desire to be in the right place at the right time to be part of his plan for reaching others. And as I reflected on this miracle of timing with Janice and Anne, I saw how important it was for me to get to the point where I expressed. I expressed to God my availability and that I was ready if he just would give me an opportunity. And, you know, I shouldn't be surprised that asking is the secret here. 
because uh, this is one of the spiritual laws that goes all through the Bible, if not the, the New Testament, that God's most precious gifts are reserved for those who ask. And this truth starts with the greatest gift of all. The greatest gift, the greatest miracle of all is being born again, which is Jesus' term, not mine, what Jesus calls the moment when a person experiences God's forgiveness through belief in Jesus. And the only way that I can experience this forgiveness of God is if on some level I ask for it. That's the way God's designed it. I have to ask for it. And when I ask in faith, I'm born again. I become God's child. I'm filled with his spirit. And this biggest miracle of all starts with just asking. And this is a truth, a spiritual law that Jesus taught over and over again. The power of asking God. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. There is spiritual power in asking God. But you may say, well, where here in Acts chapter 8 is Philip expressing his availability to God? Well, Philip doesn't ask for an opportunity here in Acts chapter 8 because he already did it four chapters earlier uh, when Philip was part of a prayer meeting where with the other disciples, Philip prayed these words. Now, Lord, consider the threats of these religious leaders and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand and use us to be a part of miraculous things in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So Philip prayed this kind of prayer. God, make me a part of the miracle where I am in the right place at the right time to be a part of your plan for reaching out to other people. And this is the first habit that is necessary to experience that miracle of right place, right time, right person. It's expressing this desire to God. I need to express God on a, to, on a daily basis, this idea I want to be used, God, by you. So I need to make it a habit to regularly say, God, I desire to be in the right place the right time today. Use me as a part of your plan, even in the life of just one, one person. To, to express that is simple, right? You just five seconds to express that. But I really believe that it makes all the difference. So when you get in your car for your commute, say, God, use me today. When you get to your place of work and you meet a coworker, silently say, God, use me in Roger's life. When you uh, get ready to answer your cell phone, you see who it is. You say, God, use me in this conversation with Carol to be a part of your plan. If you want to be in the right place at the right time, you must express this to God, just like Philip did. And by the way, if you don't want to be used by God, don't pray this prayer. <laughs> Because that's another thing I learned there in the mall, and that is that God loves answering this prayer, which leads us to the next habit. The second habit flows naturally out of this first expression of a desire to be used in God's plan. The second habit is to expect. Expect God to do something. The miracle of being in the right place at the right time depends on my being alert to 
the opportunities that God has given me to be a part of his plan in other people's lives. So I need to move through my day expecting that God is going to respond to my expressed desire to be a part of his plan. And so this is an exciting way to live, you know, to go through your life expecting that God's going to give you an opportunity to make a difference. Now, did you notice, did you notice how God pointed Philip in the right direction, but he arranged things so that Philip had to look for his opportunity? An angel told Philip to go to a certain road, but he doesn't tell him what will happen next. So in verse 27, uh, it says, Philip started out, which is, you know, simple language for Philip didn't know what he was looking for, but he was expecting something. Philip didn't know what God was going to do with him, but he was eagerly expecting that he'd have an opportunity to bless somebody somehow. Once I express my desire to God, I need to expect God to respond. I need to look. And once again, this is not a one-time deal. This is a habit. This is a moment-by-moment habit of looking for the open door, looking for that opportunity to be a part of God's plan in every interruption, in every circumstance, in every conversation that seems to be ordinary. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's part of God's plan. The third habit is summarized in the word extend. Uh, Being the right person in the right place is meaning it starts with expressing. It starts with expressing this desire. It builds on a a lifestyle of expectation. But then the process only finds completion when I extend myself. Uh, God can't use me to make a difference unless I actually reach out and touch the one that God wants me to touch. Notice how God does all the hard work for Philip. Uh, God gets Philip in the, on the right road uh, next to the right chariot. Uh, God gets the Ethiopian in the right book and the right page. Uh, God gets Philip in the right place at the right time, but the whole thing would fall apart if Philip did not extend himself. I mean, what if, what if God did all this setup work and then Philip just stood there uh, around the chariot just kind of looking at the Ethiopian and, the, and, then, and then Philip says, oh, oh God, you wanted me to, to speak to him? You, you, didn't, you didn't say that. Um, so I was just kind of loving him from afar and kind of trying to be a good, you know, a good example, a good model, you know, a model, a witness. No, that would have blown the whole plan, right? That would have been a missed opportunity to the max. But that didn't happen because Philip was in the habit of extending himself to others. Philip saw his opportunity, and he extended himself. He says, uh, hey, uh, you're reading Isaiah there in the Bible. Uh, Do you understand uh, what this prophecy is about? It's about Jesus, you know, written 500 years uh, before this point. And and let me tell you about this man, Jesus. I have no idea what it's going to mean for you to extend yourself But if you want to be the person who is in the right place at the right time, you need to get in the habit of reaching out, taking the risk, speaking up. God has a plan to use you in the life of at least one, one person 
in your world. So when it comes to reaching people, you are God's plan A. And guess what? There is no plan B. This is the key taught through this account. The Ethiopian had the words of the Bible in front of him. As powerful as the Bible is, God has arranged things so that this is not enough. God has arranged things so that in order for the Ethiopian to come to Jesus, he needs a Philip to help him. God has one plan, one plan for reaching one person, that one person on your heart. God reaches lost people through formerly lost people like you. So when it comes to reaching people, you are God's plan A. And there is no plan B. So like Philip, express, expect, extend. And just like God used Philip to reach a man reading the Bible, but not understanding it. You might be in that same category. Melissa was reading the Bible, but it never clicked until she came here to Black Rock. Here's your story. Well, growing up, I always knew about God. Actually, I would say I was somewhat maybe scared of God in a little bit of a sense because I thought if I didn't follow these rules that, you know, I, I would never go to heaven. There was an event last uh, year, around October, um, where I thought my life was leading in one direction and I thought everything, I had everything planned out and then things suddenly changed. If I thought I was getting married, you know, I thought my whole life was set and then, like, literally suddenly just changed. But God just reached out to me and I felt an, an urge to want to just read the Bible and learn more about God. and learn more about the scripture, and it was the first time I actually opened up the Bible. I decided one day to, you know, go to church on Sunday. The first day that I went, um, there was an older woman in the parking lot who, um, you know, just befriended me and, you know, walked me into the church and, you know, asked if I wanted to sit with her and, and her friend. She was really, really kind. From then on, I just continued to go because I felt so welcome there. Good morning. Hey, hi, I'm Caleb. Come on in. Welcome. Nice Glad you. you're here. I did Black Rock 101. Um, probably last April, and I met Pastor Steve. I did the starting point class. That's where I met Pastor Larry and um, a group of wonderful Christians, some new and some who have been Christians for many years. It allowed me to dig deeper into the Bible and really learn more about the Word of God. How should the concept of eternity shape your decisions in life? Next chapters uh, is the, the following class to that, and I'm involved in that now, and that's amazing. I've met um, some new people through that class and some people from my previous class so we'll all integrate it together and able to you know share our stories and learn off of one another I just love it it's it's amazing and I, they really help you grow there I was baptized in September at Trumbull at the lake I was a little nervous Pastor Larry was there to support me Pastor Steve has been great as well I've been able to speak with both of them we gave our testimonial I attended my first service Sunday March 24th and went to Black Rock 101 on April 14th. So then we walked into the water to meet Pastor Steve. Melissa, have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Yes. And do you purpose to follow Him all the days of your life? Yes. Therefore, upon your public profession of faith in the Lord Jesus and your declaration of purpose to follow Him, I do therefore baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
And I was really excited because my mom came. My, my dad, you know, won't get involved with anything that I'm doing or really be too supportive. My dad thinks it's like different. I'm like, Dad, you believe in the Bible, right? Open the Bible. <laughs> you know, I'm not telling you anything that's different than what's in the Bible. I'm hoping that, you know, through the changes that I'm noticing in myself, I'm hoping that he eventually notices those changes as well, but also want to seek, you know, what changes that I've made so that he can have, you know, maybe the peace that he sees me having or more of the joy that I'm having. That's what I really feel that Christ is, is doing through me, that he is changing me to be a better person so that people um, want to seek him as well because they see the positive changes in myself and also that I'm able to go out and, you know, bless other people through the blessings that he's giving me. I was invited to come to Black Rock Church about 30 years ago. My wife invited me about two years ago and I'm just so glad that she did. A great friend of ours 12 years ago invited us to come to Black Rock. We love it. I was invited to Black Rock by one of its members. Do you guys like it? Yeah. Yep. Yay! When I finally came to Christ, I remember some friends who invited me to come to Black Rock. 41 years ago, Milka Costas invited me and convinced me to come, and I've been here ever since. I came to Black Rock because Tim invited me. A friend of mine invited me to Black Rock a year ago. I came to Black Rock because I was invited by a good friend. A very close friend of mine uh, made the recommendation, and so I came to Black Rock. I was invited to Black Rock Congregational Church four years ago. I came to Black Rock 30 years ago because I was invited by the man I work for, Bob Nicolette. A year and a half ago, I invited uh, my guy's sister, Mary Marshall, and my niece, Amaria. My husband also came to Black Rock at an invitation from Mike Ragazzi. Since I left to go to college, I hadn't attended church until I was invited by Wendy. When I moved here to Connecticut, uh, I was brand new to the area, so someone at my job, a coworker, said, oh, I go to a nice church, you should try it, it's Black Rock. My life would have just been, you know, average, it would have been mediocre, and now I just see my life going here. My life has completely changed, and I wouldn't change it for anything. He's really, you know, bringing things together and, and showing me the way. So what a great story and how Melissa's story is a process, right? And then that connects to all the people who say, you know, somebody invited me and that's, that's why I'm here and that's why I maybe have a, a new closer relationship with God through uh, faith in Jesus. And so uh, we've been talking about opportunities and just taking an opportunity when God presents itself. Can I just uh, ask you to take this out? Just take the opportunity, take a look at it. And uh, what I'm asking is, do you have that one person? And if you haven't yet given us a chance to dedicate one of these seats to uh, somebody on your heart, give us, a, give us a shot here. Just write the person's name, first name, last initial, and let us do that. Uh, and I already mentioned it's not about raising funds, so you can just write, write zero in there. This is not the point. Uh, the point is, take the opportunity. Take the opportunity to, uh, to be in the right place in the right time for somebody. Maybe it starts today. Uh, that process starts today. So you need to write your name up in, the, uh, up in the top, and then there's an opportunity for you just to write the first name, last initial, at least one person, one person in this world that you're going to care about on a spiritual level, kind of like what happened to Melissa. That's the goal. All right, so let's just take, this, take a moment and let's consider this card. And let's pray.
God, this is our opportunity to give our morning offering. And as always, uh, we give to you these gifts that represent our very lives that say to you, God, everything you've given me, I want to uh, dedicate to you. And so I give to you this offering. But now, Lord, we have an opportunity to give another kind of offering, which is once again uh, saying to you, God, take me, use me. I'm available. And I'm available especially in this person that you've put on my heart, this one person. And so, Lord, we, we ask that you would take us and take our expression of availability and use it for uh, your glory, for your work in another person's story, for your purposes. In your name, Jesus, amen. <laughs> 